When we asked you on Facebook what you wish you would have learned about money as a child, there were three topics that we heard repeated over and over. Number one was investing and retirement planning. Number two was budgeting and tithing was number three. And the biggest issues with money that you are dealing with are self-control, marital differences, savings and investing, and just worrying about how to spend money, where the money's going to come from. Today on this podcast, we're going to be talking with T.R. Laughlin from Freedom 5-1 Ministries, answering some of the questions that you had on Facebook and discussing how to use money in a way that honors God. Welcome back to Parenting to Impress, your go-to podcast to learn practical ways to love God and love others and impress this on the hearts of your children. I am your host, Heidi Franz, and I am joined by my dear friend, Melanie Simpson, two moms who have made a lot of mistakes, but have found grace and truth along the way. Heidi, I know this is a sensitive topic or it can be a sensitive topic, but I am really excited to get Mm -hmm. to dig into this because I think just like Coach T's ministry is called Freedom, there is opportunity here to live in freedom. And so we want to kind of pass the mic over to Coach T and have him introduce himself before we jump into some of the topics. So Coach T, take it away. Absolutely. Freedom 5-1 Ministries started in 2010 by a guy who was a financial planner. He was helping people do the basics of investing and all the things that you do in a financial planning office, but uh, also was helping a lot of recently divorced women that uh, were looking to get their money in order with Hmm. the new situation that they've been given. The name for Freedom 5-1 Ministries comes from Galatians 5-1 that says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And the whole point of his ministry and starting that was to strengthen the Christian family in the area of finances. So they've been around for the last last 12 years doing that. You have a personal testimony around this specific topic with finances. Would you just take a minute and give us the Cliff Notes version, maybe? (laughs) For sure. So my wife and I were business owners. Early in our marriage, we we started, we got into the family donut business. Uh, We opened our, I know, we opened our our first one when uh, we were in our early 20s and uh, we had sold that and opened up a retail store and it was right around the 2006 timeframe. So right before the, the big housing crash. But at that time, gas prices had gone through the roof Mm -hmm. and um, we couldn't buy the things that we were needing to sell for the same price that we could. We had taken a second mortgage on the house to keep our our store going. All the money that we had made in our first business was invested in that. If you can imagine, I'm standing on the side of the road in a costume and I'm waving to cars as they go by, trying to get them to come into our failing business. My wife was working seven days a week and we scratched and clawed to get our way back into into the donut business and it changed the way we thought about our money sure. we had we'd both grown up in hardworking families but nobody had really taught us how to manage our money wow. we didn't really know how to plan or think long term and here we are in our mid-20s and had already owned a couple of businesses and we're just now figuring it out. So it took a long time for us to, to repair all those things and to get started down a path that would ultimately lead us to the opportunity of joining this ministry. I love what you said, TR. No one taught us how to manage finances. So this isn't something that we just figure out on our own. This is something that we can actually teach and prepare kids how to do. 
Absolutely. We would say the enemy has found a way into the Christian home through the back door of personal finances. And because of that, we see three big things that are happening. One of the things that we see is that missionaries are going severely underfunded. Average Christian giving is 1% to 3%, depending on where you live. Missionaries themselves are, are going underfunded because the family unit is being attacked in this way. Mm. One of the leading causes of divorce is conflict, usually around finances. Um, and so marriages are heavily affected. And then um, because it's such a sensitive and hard topic that families are struggling with, they're also not teaching the next generation how to be generous stewards because they themselves are struggling. I think you hit on something so important. Because we're not teaching the next generation, because we don't know as adults ourselves how to handle finances, we don't have the freedom or we don't feel like we have the freedom to tithe, to give, to be stewards with our money. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I would say that one of the byproducts of the of the guilt and shame that comes with some of the areas of finances, like, you know, you know, you're supposed to be saving or, you know, you're supposed to be giving, but maybe you're not mm -hmm. living up to what your, your giving goals are or your investing goals are. One of the byproducts is that is avoidance. So you just mm -hmm. don't pay attention on a monthly basis, on a, on a regular basis. You don't have those conversations uh, between you and your spouse because you it, it then brings all the guilt and shame. Well, and it creates conflict. For and sure. then you're definitely not going to share with your kids what you don't feel confident with. Yeah, I was going to say, when you are burdened with shame and guilt over how you're handling something, that you're certainly going to feel ill-equipped to then turn and talk to your kids about it. and Or you feel like a hypocrite, right. you know, and you're going to be like, hey, I know dad and I are really failing in this area, but let me tell you how you should do it. When in reality, that's actually wisdom, right? To, to say, we acknowledge that we're not doing well. We are going to try to do better, but also this is how you can avoid being in the spot we're in now. I love that. So basically what I'm hearing is we've got a crazy cycle going on mm. and we've got to figure out how do we stop that crazy cycle? So you hit on three areas, marriage, kids, and missionary. I'm going to consider that the giving portion. So let's just hit on the marriage. We know from what we saw on Facebook, there are a lot of emotions that come along when you tie the word finances and marriage. Mm. And I know in your ministry, you work with a lot of couples. What are you seeing? And then we're going to talk about how are you helping them? When we talk about finances, our minds immediately go to the math. Right. go to the spreadsheets, the, you know, what does that look like? But, but in reality, only 20% of finances are knowledge. About 80% of your personal finances have to do with behavior. And so uh, when we're talking with a couple, now we've, we've got two different behaviors when it comes to their money, and, and we have to make sure and, and get those on the same page, uh, especially when they're just starting off. Let me tell you a story about a couple that came in. The husband reached out to me, said, hey, I want to sit down with you. I've got some questions about my, my money. And so I had him fill out a prep packet. And he said, well, I don't want to go through the whole coaching process, but I just want you to take a look at my stuff. <laughs> I said, well, okay, let's just do that. And he goes, well, but my wife doesn't want to come. I said, well, that's fine. You just come on in. Well, so they show up for their appointment. The wife came. 
He's holding on to his paperwork. He's got it kind of clenched in his hand. <laughs> we sit down and we start diving into his numbers and uh, kind of peeling back the onion a little bit, getting down to mm-hmm. root cause of what's causing him some stress, some anxiety. The way that they've done their finances, he's 74 years old. She's 65. She's looking to retire. He's been retired for a long time. They live on his pension and the money that she brings in, she keeps completely separate. That's not necessarily the issue that brought him in. As a 74-year-old man, uh, one of his best friends just passed away, same age as him. And he's worried that Mm -hmm. his wife is not going to know how all the finances work in their family if something was to happen to him. Absolutely. And so here here we have a big deal. So then we have to start talking about, well, why have you guys decided to keep those things separate instead of putting those things together? At some point early on in their marriage, the way that he wanted it done was just not doable for her. He's very specific, wanted it done in a very certain way, came up with a system that was really complicated and just didn't allow her to even speak into where things were going and what things were going for. And so he's just taken this all over and and she's, of course, can live just as good on her income and spend it however she wants. And so it kind of worked for them in the moment, but didn't really work for them for some of their goals. And that's what we find with people is that when they're not on the same page, they're not going towards the same goals in Mm -hmm. life. One of the things that we like to do is we literally start them on two separate pages. If we have a couple that come in, they're already on two separate pages. So we start off on two separate pages. And the page is real simple. It's We call it start with why. The husband, what is it that you want? What happens if you uh, can't achieve that goal? How will you feel if you can't Mm -hmm. achieve that goal? And then we take a look at the wife. Like, okay, what is it that you are looking for out of your finances? What are the goals that you want to achieve? How how are you going to feel if you don't get this? How are you going to feel if you do? And then we always like to end it with something that's fun. Like, what is one thing that you really respect about your partner mm, that. that is uh, that that's in the area of their of their financial mm-hmm. management? We've heard from so many women that they and their husbands are on completely different tracks. Is there a chance that a husband and wife can come together on finances? Or is there no hope that this will ever happen? No, there absolutely is. We've seen big changes happen when we start on separate pages and then we can come together. We start with why. Mm -hmm. In our second session, we're really spending a lot of time helping them put the numbers on paper and develop a system that's going to work for their family. Mm -hmm. It's not a my way and your way. It's now an our way. I love that. The numbers, they just are what they are. Mm -hmm. We don't have to say, well, you know, you're spending too much here. You're not spending enough there. I want to spend this and I want to spend that. We go through and we put the numbers that are reality. What does our current spending look like? We even project that out for a yearly basis. And this helps to get them kind of us against the numbers versus me against them. Another thing that we do is there's actually a lot of people think that there's really just two personalities for money. There's spenders and savers. (laughs) It's kind of the easy breakdown, Uh, but there's actually six common personalities that we're looking for. And so we do a a little habitudes test, you know, to find out what a person's money habitudes are. And and it is a self-assessment. It's just kind of finding how they think, but you might find a person is a a, a spender, but they really are a planner. So for instance, Uh they know that something is coming up 
And so they have a plan. They're going to spend that money, but they're actually a planner. So how do you use that planning part for bigger picture things? I had a husband and wife come and sit down and we did the personality test with them. And they have completely different backgrounds. The wife has been a professional bookkeeper, so she's really good at planning. Yeah. Uh, she's very organized. She's got all her spreadsheets in order. The husband, however, uh, comes from a, a Hispanic background, a very tight-knit family, and scores really high on the giving and the status. When family members ask for money in mm-hmm. his in his culture, you give. Uh, it, you don't think about it. You just give. Would we call that a spender? because he just gives the money as family members need. How do we create a system that is good for both the planner Mm -hmm. and the spontaneity of uh, the husband who's a giver and wants to help out members of his Mm -hmm. family? I hear so much hope Mm -hmm. in what you are sharing right now. Mm -hmm. For these couples who feel like there is never going to be an opportunity for them to be on the same page, what I'm hearing you say is, Yes, there is absolutely an opportunity. It may require a counselor or a mediator to do that, but I want to call out the lie that Satan's saying. This goes back to our very first podcast. Call out the lie that Satan is saying that you will never be on the same page because you are saying there is hope in marriage. And I love too how you talked about we are not pitted against one another despite the fact that we might have different money personalities. If I don't approach my partner with a, I'm on your team, we are united in this, let's figure out a way for us to work this out together. Because I think that's what happens is we get so mired down in, you made this happen, you brought this on, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm trying to budget, I'm trying to whatever, and you just keep fill in the blank, whatever the habit is. And it's just a vicious cycle. But like you said, Heidi, there is hope when we shift our perspective and how much of our faith is a perspective shift. And we remember that we are redeemed people and we can rightly call out the enemy. Like you said, Satan's kind of back way, uh, back door into our families. Um, And so just, I think, standing firm on the fact that there is a way. Yes, there is an opportunity. So TR, if you are in a marriage situation where money is a huge issue of conflict, what would you tell those couples to do? Mm. Just to start that turnaround, to stop that crazy cycle. Yeah, I think with any lasting change, you have to go through all five of the stages. You can't really shortcut any of them. The first stage of, of anybody's journey to change is going to be pre-contemplation. This is just kind of where you're thinking about what needs to happen, but you're not quite there yet. The contemplation stage, which is number two, is where you're actually starting to like weigh the pros and the cons. Mm -hmm. And then you get to that preparation stage where you're actually trying to make things happen. This would be the area where you're putting together a budgeting plan or, or things like that. But to start off with, just having those kind of pros and cons list for yourself but then inviting your spouse in on that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the what is the cost and the and the benefits? You know, what is it that we're trying to achieve? And you may be actually trying to achieve two different goals. How can we achieve both? Is it a one or the other? Have those conversations around what is it that we're trying to accomplish with our money in the short term, in the midterm, and in the long term. Because if a person doesn't really start with a good reason why, it's likely to fail. 
the conversation will be spearheaded by the one that wants the thing the most. I would always start in that direction. And pre-contemplation feels a whole lot less threatening than here's the spreadsheet. <laughs> and, and here's how we need to, what we need to stop doing and what we need to start doing. So I love that it begins with conversation. Some of the things about numbers is that they're so personal. And we feel like when we talk to somebody about numbers, it's just like bearing your soul to them. And so some of this is we have to drop the pride and say, I do need some help. Who am I going to go and talk to? Whether that is a professional financial counselor, whether that is a marriage counselor, whether it's a friend to say, hey, can you just help me? Because I think one of the best things to do is just look at what reality is and face what it actually looks like. What are you spending on things can be really eye-opening. And once you see the reality instead of just what you think is occurring. We had a couple come in. The last couple of years, the husband had gotten some uh, raises at work, was doing really well, got to where he was making 200000 a year. They had moved to a different home. It was a bigger home, but it needed some remodel work. They have their emergency fund saved up, so things are good. The wife then felt that it was best to stay at home with the kids, and that's what they planned on doing. So as she's staying home with the kids and the husband is out here in his new role, they had $37,000 saved up. $37,000 aside from their emergency fund, the things that they were planning. And the wife came to the husband and said, I really want to do a kitchen remodel. I'm spending a lot of time in the kitchen doing all this prep and it's, it's outdated. And this is kind of part of what we said we would do when we would move into the home. And the husband says, well, we just don't have the money. And the wife says, well, it's only going to cost $15,000. And so they came in and they, they, they were talking with us because they couldn't reconcile how we didn't have the money. Well, we have 37000 and it's only going to cost fifteen. We we have the money, right? Those are the numbers. But let's peel it back just a little bit and let's dive in. And so here's what the husband is experiencing. The husband went from a household that was a two-income household to now being the, the sole provider and feeling really insecure with this new home and even the job that he got a raise, he doesn't know if it's permanent. He doesn't yeah. know it's there. And so for him, having the money in the bank was just his way of feeling more secure about their finances. And being able to provide for his family. Exactly. Was he able to articulate that in the middle of the conversation that we should, you know, it's time to upgrade the kitchen? No, not at that time. But once we got in there and once we started kind of peeling mm. it back, like you said, having a mediator that can just right. really get in and, and find out what those causes were. And so for for them, it looks like just building a plan out to save extra above and beyond what that mm -hmm. number of his security was right. to get to the point to where they could also have the kitchen remodeled. You brought up such an important point for moms, for women in general. Our husbands are not the enemies. And if we will take the time to get rid of the emotion and get rid of the insecurities we feel and figure out why our husbands are responding the way they are, at least in my case, and I think most of my friends would say this so well, our husbands really do care for us. And there's a reason why they are speaking the way they are, especially in the world of finances, if we will give them time to share their hearts on it. And likewise, then to prompt the dad, the husband's we are your safe space and you can right. talk to us. And 
if you're not sure how to articulate those things, then at least come and say, Hey, there's something going on here. I don't know. I don't even know how to name it, Mm -hmm. but it's not that I don't want to provide this or I don't want to give this or do this. There's just something that's unsettled. Will you just be patient with me and help me figure this out? But again, it goes back to being on the same team and how easily money becomes such a divisive issue. We had a younger couple. We're sitting down and we're doing their numbers for their for the first time. And we get to the point, the line item on the budget that talks about hair care. And there was, was a young married couple, their little one-year-olds kind of going around the room yeah, in our office. So I look to the husband and say, you know, so how much does it cost to get your hair done? He's like, well, I go to the barber. It cost me like $20 or whatever to get it cut. And look over to the wife and said, said the same thing. How much does it cost to get your hair done? And here's what she says. Now, I know everybody's thinking. They're, they're like, oh, it's, you know. Here's what she said. She said, I just kind of do it myself because I know that women's hair is is expensive to get done. And so I don't really feel comfortable asking for that on our budget. And the husband says, "We, you never told me that. I know ladies' hair costs more than guys' hair to get done. And so now we're, we're putting a pause on the numbers and we're right. talking about the communication around finances, yeah. which is so, sure. so difficult for people. It's a whole different conversation. That one hour meeting took us three hours. We got to really dive into what that looks like and set them up on a realistic budget for those things. And I hear you saying, so there's trust in the couple. And I think this kind of is reflective of the greater trust. Like as believers, we are to trust in God's provision in our lives. How many times in scripture is that called upon to the Lord will provide for you, your needs. But when we doubt that trust, then we start to fritter and worry and do all the manipulations that we can do with finances. And then that's reflected in our marriage. And so when we can push pause on the fear, the worry, the anxiety, the manipulation, Mm -hmm. and have those conversations, and then also recognize that God loves me, my husband loves me, my wife loves me. And how many times have we talked about fear and the worry and just set that aside? That is from Satan. Oh man, this has been so good TR. And I am seeing Melanie that we are going to need to turn this into a two episode. I don't think any of us here are surprised (laughs) (laughs) because we've not even started talking about kids and giving and being good servants and stewards with our money. So we're going to push pause on this and I hope you will come back to the next podcast when we dive into this deeper. We want to thank you for listening to the Parenting to Impress podcast. Be sure to visit abcjesuslesbian.com and check out the show notes for more information on topics shared in this episode. Please subscribe and share with your friends.